0: It was so much louder when the kids were in here, <laughs> which is the case around my house all the time, which is why I spend a lot of time over here. <laughs> so, so good to have you guys and uh, here in person and online for hanging out with us this July 4th Sunday. Hopefully everybody's having a great 4th so far, all right? Everybody looking forward to uh, the, later tonight, this afternoon, fireworks, anything special going on? Yeah? All right, maybe some burgers and hot dogs. I was talking to a few folks earlier uh, this week, and they were talking about their plans. That yeah, I got a I got a party over here, I got a party over there, and uh, I said, man, you're going to be worn out on hot dogs by the time you're done with it. I don't like them that much, but you go to every every one of these parties, and everybody's serving the same thing. It kind of gets annoying after a while. So. Hopefully uh, you'll get your fill if you uh, if you love, love love that stuff or if you don't you just have a good time hanging out with folks today as, you, as we celebrate together. It's so good to be able to come here this morning and celebrate more than just the Fourth of July, but the freedom that we have in Jesus, which is most important because freedoms that we, in our country kind of can come and go it seems. And so we want to take advantage of the freedom we have in Jesus through all things. And so we are celebrate that this morning uh, in every facet. All right. So uh, as we get going, we're going to change our format up a little bit. So if this is your first or second time, then you're not. Gonna to recognize any difference but if you've been here a while or you've watched this online for a while you're gonna see things change a little bit all right we're never afraid or at least i'm not and i hope you're uh, you're gonna you're gonna go along with me on this never afraid to change things up we're gonna keep moving and, and adapting and changing some things and so we're gonna format differently a little bit this morning so just kind of flex and bend with me as we go so there's no question right now but we'll get to something to discuss in a few minutes so i want to hit a few announcements first and then uh, we'll, we'll see how this format takes us, all right? It should be good. It should be fun. So, one, if you are new here, I want to make sure if it's your first or second time in person or online that you're, one, connecting with our Connect team. If you're in person, we have Miss Dawn in the back. She does a fantastic job. If you're online, uh, we have Miss Allison who's helping out this morning. She's going to do a fantastic job welcoming you into the into the experience wherever you are. Uh, if you are new, make sure you get your gift before you leave. we got a bag in person. We also have a gift online. We want you to know that you're here so we can connect with you and get you this free book that we have for you. It's an awesome book. It's really easy. It's an ebook, So uh, you can take it wherever you want, and uh, we want you to bless you with that. So make sure you let us know that you're, it's your first or second time, and we can get that to you as soon as we can later this afternoon. All right? Also, we have a couple of big things we want to point out to you if you are new here, but you've been here a little while and you want to keep connecting, you want to get a little deeper into the Faith Church uh, family, then we have something called BBT, Believer's Basic Training. It's a three-week session or three-week course, this one-hour each session for three weeks in a row on Sundays. And what that does is take you from from where you're at now and kind of explains what we believe, how we believe, and how you work into the process, how you uh, are part of our family here and how you bring something unique and different to uh, our experience together. And so we want to make sure that you know that's available next Sunday, the 11th, also on the 18th and 25th. So if you want to sign up, see me or Miss Dawn before you leave here today uh, to say, hey, I'd love to be uh, part of that session starting next week, and we'll get you signed up. Also, Faith Summer of Fun, I want to highlight one thing on this. We got lots of fun stuff we're doing. One thing, church hike, all right? Church hike, July 17th, 9 a.m. We're doing the Cascades, right? Did I get that right, in The Cascades, all right? It's down in North Adams. It's an easy in-and-out hike and uh, fun for kids. It should be a great experience for uh, all experience levels and all ages, and so if you like to hike or even don't like, maybe you just like, well, I just want to come kind of hang out with folks and maybe just kind of stroll because this isn't going to be like, you know, super, super challenging, all right? So come out with us, July 17th. 9 a.m. the Cascades, right? You're going to get to see a beautiful waterfall. Um, I've read a couple of reviews that say it's got to be it's one of the best uh, waterfalls in all of Massachusetts. I'm not sure how, the, how many how many competition there is in Mass, but maybe it is. Uh, at any rate, it should be good, and it should be a good time together, which is why we're doing it. So make sure you mark your calendar July 17th, 9 a.m. as we do that together. If you want to do this and want more information to so make sure you know where to go, or if you don't know where that's at, or uh, want to make sure you know what to bring or whatever, make sure that you see. Uh, me or Ms. Dawn, after the experience today as well, and we'll make sure we get you that information, uh, whatever it takes for you to know to be there, July 17th. Last, uh, actually one more thing before I get to giving. We have a partnership, we've, we've done it for years, uh, even before I showed up here, with Grace Christian School, and they have a lot of stuff going on this summer, uh, but one thing I want to highlight today, real quick, is called Golf for Grace, and it's this golf tournament they put on every year that helps to uh, sponsor and host students uh, who are, maybe have been in, in the school for a while, because it's a private school, or who are new students who don't have a way to get in. And so this is a fun, easy way for you who golf, even if you don't golf seriously, because it's a a best ball scramble, all right? So if you don't even golf seriously, but want to just head out and and hit some balls around for 18 uh, down at the Taconic, and it's a great course, it's a great event for a great cause, and so I encourage you to sign up for that. You don't have to see me for that. You're going to look on our Facebook page uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. There's a couple of posts. Just keep on our social media as we update all of our events. Plug into that, connect, register. Uh, Get in on that process so you can get out there and have some fun together. Uh, And again, do it for a great cause. Speaking of great causes, uh, every single week we want to give you the opportunity to do two things. One, get. If you're in need, we stress this, I try to, every week, that if you have something in your life that uh, maybe you're a little short this month on whatever it is, the electric bill or Uh, groceries or whatever the case is, and you need some assistance, right? Some emergency need, right? Just reach out to us. There's a couple of different ways, really easy. One, call us, 802-823-7828, or you can email us at faithchurchvt at gmail.com. Just contact us in any way. You can uh, PM this Facebook page, whatever it takes to be able to reach out. We want to help you where you're at, all right? We're not going to judge your situation. We're just going to talk to you, talk through it, and see what we can do to help you. All right. So, first and foremost, know that that's there for you. Second, you want to know that why we can do that is because as a church, we practice generosity in all that we do. We fully believe that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again for us and generously gave everything to us and saved us in that process. And He calls us to act generously in every single thing we do. That includes our time and talent. I want to thank everybody who's pitched in to help make this building even better as our cafe continues to come together, all the man hours that it takes to put that together. Thank you, Jesus. For that, your time and talent, and also your finances. For those of you who are untalented like me, uh, or maybe more talented than me, which is a hard, uh, but you have something to give, God's blessed you financially, then we want to encourage you to give so that we can bless others in our community with that. So uh, if you want to give in person, the easiest way is the baskets up here before you leave, in the back as well, or in the cafe as well, or give online, faithchurchvt.com. Just press the give button, super easy, right? You have recurring giving, it's all safe, secure, really convenient. Really easy, uh, even for someone like me who's got a crazy life, and uh, my wife does a great job with the finances, but it's just super easy just to sign up and let it go every single month. Don't even have to worry about it. So I want to encourage that uh, so you can have an opportunity to pour back into this community and to reach out to those friends, family, neighbors that we have for Jesus, all right? Awesome. Now, again, we don't have a question this morning yet, so we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit different, All right. I'm going to get into the message a little bit this morning before you've had a chance to really warm up, and then we're going to take a break in the middle, and you're going to have a chance to talk, interact, process this, and then we're going to jump back in and wrap it up together. Okay, way different than what we've been doing, but I hope it'll be something we can learn to love together, or again, if we don't, we can swap it up. It's no big deal. We can change it, right? It's nothing's permanent here, so we can keep moving stuff around. So let's jump into this process this morning. When we look over the course of our lives, what I, what I think often happens as we reflect sometimes, if you have a spare minute in your life, and you reflect on who you are, right? Why you are the way you are, your identity, what, what's happened to cause you to act the way you do or to be the way you are, right? I think when we look in, at our life and look at our circumstances, there's many things we examine when we're, when we're called to question ourselves. There's many questions we're asked whenever someone else is looking to find that answer out, too, right? For example, when you go to the doctor, they'll ask, you know, what's your medical history? When you date someone, if they're smart, all right, and if maybe if you're dating someone, be smart, ask them what their parents are like, all right? Ask them that. Get a photo, if you're, if guys, if you're dating a, a, a girl, get a photo of their mom if you can't meet them in person, all right? Because I'll guarantee that's what they're gonna look like eventually, so you might wanna go ahead and just check up on them, right? All right? Same goes for guys. Women, you might not care what they look like, but if you do, you know, get that photo of the grandpa and see you. That's that's what you're looking forward to, all right? Look past the moment. So if they're smart, they're going to ask what our parents look like. When you're in new groups, people are going to ask you, where are you from, right? That's usually one of the first questions you get asked. If we want to know more about where we're from, our ancestors, we get a DNA sample, right? Send it into the Ancestry.com or somewhere. Find out where your family beginnings are, right? And those are all helpful, And those are all necessary markers that kind of make up who we are. But none of them are the most important or the most powerful. The most powerful we often overlook or take for granted because it's so prevalent in our past and our present. And that's the stories we hear. Stories. Stories and those that tell them have a unique power to define our past and shape our future. Most of us remember being put to sleep, I, I would imagine, by the sound of a parent telling a bedtime story like The Big Bad Wolf or The Three Little Pigs. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember laying in bed, Somebody's tucked tucks you in and they tell you this bedtime story, whatever it is? One of my favorite movies, The Princess Bride. Anybody like The Princess Bride movie? Yes. That's right. Steve's shaking his head. Good. All right. Yes. One of my favorite movies. Maybe you remember that. Maybe you remember sitting around a campfire, right? This is camping season here in Vermont, so if you're out camping and having a great time doing that, maybe you've sat around the campfire this year or remember in your past when you were growing up as an older sibling or a friend would tell a story about maybe a, maybe a little local killer lurking around in the woods or a ghost story around the campfire, you know, those stories that stick to our minds, those experiences that we have in those dark moments. Maybe you remember a book you read in school that still stands out like, I don't know, Homer's Odyssey was one of my favorites, Or maybe you have a date night memory of this movie you went to see that still makes an impression. Or maybe it was the date. I guess it depends on how good the movie was or how good the date was, but whatever, right? So you remember those stories that shape your life, right? Whatever the case, the point remains that stories impact us, make us think of our world or other worlds in ways we never would on our own. And they sometimes even work in us to make us change our mind about events, places, or people. It's one of the reasons why big business spends so much money making movies, right? That's a billion-dollar business. It's not only because they make money off of doing that, it's because you tell a story and you change a culture. Now, this is a new. Story has been used to set and change culture from the beginning of time, right? It's the most, if not the most, is definitely one of the most effective ways of communicating ideas and information. So it shouldn't surprise us to learn that although Jesus was many things, he was a teacher, he was a healer, he was a miracle worker, what has endured more than any of those things and shaped the entire world at one point or another is his storytelling. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you probably know some of the stories. The Good Samaritan, that might ring out in your mind. Maybe remember that one. The Prodigal Son is usually one of the ones that everybody remembers. One of those two are usually the first two. These stories are powerful. They have this power, they still do today, that captivates our imagination, that gets us thinking in a way other stories don't. Since they are so powerful, they're well, well, well. We're spending our time on. So this summer, starting today, we're going to spend our time each week. All right, the whole summer. We got a long ways to go, but the whole summer, we're going to spend each week on a series we're calling Story Time with Jesus. All right, Story Time with Jesus. Each week, we're going to read a parable of Jesus. We're going to discuss it together in person. We'll do that in a few minutes, and then we're going to see how it not only shaped the identity of those around him in his day but has the power and influence to shape us right here, right now. So let's do this. Story time with Jesus. Everybody ready? That was one long introduction, so I hope you're ready. You get primed and ready for it. We start our story time with Jesus this week by looking at what is typically called the parable of the sower. But I think by the end of the day today, we're going to know it's known by a different name than that, but that's typically what we remember it by. With the start of this series, we're also going to start that new arrangement I'm talking about. So here's the format. We're going to read and listen together to the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. We're going to dive into this together a little bit. I'm going to set the scene, and then we're going to take a five-minute break. And in that break, you're going to go. You're going to talk. You're going to mill around. Hopefully, if you're in person, you're going to go out and have a good time together discussing your life and this parable together. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about and talk through it together. Okay? Totally different format. Hope you all enjoy it. We're gonna work on this, all right? All right, so let's do this. Let me set the scene this morning. Gotta get in our time machines. Jesus is spending his Sabbath, which would have been a Saturday, not a Sunday, right? He'd be spending his Sabbath, preaching, healing the sick, and teaching the disciples and the crowds that followed him. This is what he did all the time, but this is this particular day today, right? It's a Saturday, probably warm, right? This is ancient Israel, this is Palestine, so it's probably warm, a little hot, a little. Dusty. All right. So get your head there. And as usual, the crowds that follow to him are really, really big. All right. So Jesus was always looking for opportunities to make sure he got his message out to as many people as possible. So he spots a boat by a shore of this giant inland sea. All right. He sees this boat. And so he heads over. He kind of climbs in and he pushes off a little bit. Not too far, but off a little bit so that everybody could hear him. Everybody could see and hear Jesus, right, as he taught this parable we're about to read together. And the hard-packed mountains that surrounded them would have acted like this natural amphitheater. So it was this perfect setting. Is Jesus sitting in the boat? Large crowds probably standing and listening. All right, so you guys got it easy. All right, Jesus would teach for a long time. Everybody stand up and listen. You get to sit down. And I get to stand up. How fun is that? Right? Maybe we should reverse roles one day. At any rate, so they were standing up and listening, and as his voice carried over the water and bounced off the hills, they were soaking up what he's saying. Now, the days leading up to this moment would have been rough for him and for those who were close to Jesus. John the Baptist, who had been a really firm believer, that Jesus was the Messiah, was the one who was supposed to be here to come, the predicted coming king, he had already started publicly doubting Jesus. Large crowds in other parts of the country, not just this one uh, that morning, had started to even turn away from him. Multiple towns that he had gone into and his disciples had gone into had kicked him out, not wanting to hear what he had to say. He was followed around constantly by these religious leaders who were always confronting him left and right and wanting, really, to start having him killed, right? So this group of people, maybe you've been there, maybe you've uh, you're surrounded by the cancel culture, maybe in your family or friend circle, right? Jesus was surrounded by the cancel culture all the time. Even his own family, right before this, didn't understand really what he was doing. And all along, he had his faithful 12, his, his closest followers who were trusting and believing, not always understanding, most of the time not, but trusting and believing in who he was and what his mission was. So there's a scene. He's thinking about all these things as he sits down in this boat, and he starts to teach that day by telling them this parable. It's Matthew 13, verse 3 through 9. It's going to be up on the screen. It's broken up into a couple of parts. Jaden's going to do a fantastic job keeping up with me. It says, And he told them many things in parables Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some are hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. For the crowds that day, that's all they got. Keep that in mind. No other context other than where they live, right? That's all they're here. They're here to hear Jesus. Maybe for the first time, somebody showed up that day from the local area. He tells them this parable, and that's all they got that day. So I want you to try your best to put yourself in their shoes. What does Jesus mean? What does he mean when he's saying this parable? I want you to try to forget, and it's going to be the hard thing, but I want you to try to forget what you know. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard someone else tell it. Maybe you've heard someone else give a message on it, right? And you're thinking back to that story. Forget that. (laughs) Forget all that. Forget what you think you know, and I don't want you to be embarrassed about having the right answer or the wrong answer, all right? I just want you to focus on what this is saying, listen to it, ponder the story, talk to each other for the next five minutes, one about your life just in general, how's how your life going? I want you to share life together in this next five minutes, but also say, hey, what do you think that means? Don't be afraid to ask each other. Don't be afraid to think the wrong thing, all right? Whatever you think the wrong thing is, just get something out there, talk about it, discuss it, right? If you're at home, do this where you're at. If you have family or friends hanging out with you, talk about it with them. If you have your dog next to you, talk about it with your dog, all right, or your cat. Your cat's not going to listen. Your dog might. So whoever you got near you, right, just talk about it with them, and then we're going to meet back here in five minutes, and we're going to break it down. Into greater detail. All right. So Jane's going to hit a countdown. And when the five minutes is back up, you feel free to come back to your seats. For those in house, please get up, move around. Make sure you greet somebody you haven't met yet. And uh, online, make sure you're talking to each other. Discuss this there too. All right. And then we're going to come back at the end of the five minutes. So go ahead and hit it, Jane. Let's do this. that's a great discussion going on in the house, which is fantastic. Exactly what we want. Catching up with everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all this discussion, and you're all quit back in your seats, man, y'all are moving this morning, There's no rush, y'all can mill about, that's all right, so yeah, good, good, hopefully in house, or out of house rather, hopefully in your house, wherever you are, you're having a good discussion, or get a a good break, uh, so you don't have to miss anything too important, all right, so it's great to be able to to do this, to break out, Uh, make sure you know that anytime, feel free to get up and move around, feel free to grab coffee or whatever whatever you need in here, Uh, at home you can do whatever you want to do, right, Uh, and so uh, just make sure you're taking advantage of that while we're here. Now, it's really hard. I was talking with Becky about this just a minute ago when we were discussing this, that it's really hard to kind of disengage from all the things that we know. And if you're even able to do that, and or maybe you've never heard this before, maybe you're listening to it, we're at a disadvantage, a big, 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 big disadvantage. A few things are working against us. One, we're not first-century Palestinians. Anybody here on a time machine jumping in from the first century? No, right? Not, okay, that would have been weird if you were. All right, no. No, no first-century Palestinians. Most of us don't farm, right? I was talking with Mike. I said Mike had this parable all figured out. He's a farmer. He's got it down. Bam! He knows what this is. Going, what's talking here, right? But most of us don't actively farm, right? Or, or at least big farm. Maybe you garden on the side. So two things already working against us there, right? So we can't really imagine, or we can only really imagine, the scene that Jesus is painting here, while the people who were in the crowd lived it. This was their daily deal. They were farmers, they were harvesters, they were gardeners, they were workers, they were people who lived in the time, in the culture, in the place. And so they at least understood that part of the context where we have a little bit of a disadvantage. Two, what the pro- our problem is on the other side of this is Jesus assumes that those who are coming to hear him understand how he and the bigger story that he is telling fits all together, right? So the bigger story is, is of the nation of Israel, and of the people who were standing around in his day, their ancestors, in the bigger story of God and humanity. And so he's teaching on multiple levels through this one little parable here. And the other thing, last thing we probably don't get is we don't understand the point of a parable. Because this isn't just a story. This isn't a normal story by any means, right? Now, I can't really help us with the first problem unless we jump in a time machine together, which we're not going to do. So we we'll just have to use our imaginations on what it looked like and what it felt like and how that existed in that time, what the culture and, this, and the surrounding area was like. But we need to wrap our mind around the, the other two, the last two briefly. We need to be reminded of the bigger story, right? So again, you can look back at our YouTube channel. We have a, the whole series called The Big Picture. It was great. We went into the whole story of the Bible from the beginning to the end. It was crazy long, right? But it was really good. Uh, but I'm just going to r- briefly summarize in like 30 seconds, right? The big story is God creates humanity, right? To co-rule, co-create, craft, and build this this beautiful earth that God has started with us, right? We were to flourish by listening and learning from the Creator. But instead, the first humans decided we're going to do things our way, not God's way. And so we have a big giant rift between God up here, humanity down here. When God wanted it to be like this. Big problem for a big story, right? So we get got this big, 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 big issue. So in response, God chooses Abraham, and he says, I'm going to build a new people who are going to bless the whole world. They're going to be an example to everyone to show them how to be like this again. They fail, just like the first ones did. And so God says, fine, <laughs> all right? I'm going to fix it myself. He's going to send his son. He's going to send himself in flesh to come and repair the divide between God and man. And through the Son, through the Messiah, all wrongs are going to be made right. The kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth, would exist as was intended from the beginning. So this is the bigger story that Jesus is, is reading into when he's telling this parable. So all of Jesus' stories, not just this one, and we'll go over a lot of them this summer, all of these in some way pointed the people to this truth. Into the realization that Jesus is that coming king. He is the coming repairer of this relationship. He is the one that's going to bring heaven to earth. Which helps clarify what we're hearing when Jesus tells these stories, because we think often that parables are helpful little stories that, that uh, illustrate a point, right? Sometimes I'll tell a story to help illustrate a point that the Bible gives. That's not what parables are. Sometimes we think that, well, they're they're explainer stories to make hard things easier to understand. That's not what they are either. Some people say, well, they're they're heavenly stories that lead us to this moral truth that we should grasp, that we need to do certain things the right way. That's not what they are either. It's none of those things. It's none of those things. What they are are commentaries on Jesus' mission of bringing heaven to earth, of who he is and of what his mission is. And he uses these extended metaphors full of symbols, to show what the kingdom of heaven is and what's at stake when we choose to live in it. And instead of being direct and explanatory, they're often indirect. They're often very open-ended. We just read it, right? When you read and hear that story of the parable of the sower of the soils and you're just left with that, it's like, okay, now what? What do I do with that? What parables do is they both conceal and reveal truth. They both confront people and comfort people. Theologian R.T. France says, A parable challenges the hearer to engage with it on an educational process, which, if the hearer brings with an open attitude, will result in their perceiving and responding to the truth. Now, this can be incredibly complicated, (laughs) but it's actually really brilliant, because what this kind of storytelling does is it slips through the back door of our minds. You ever had a conversation with somebody and they just totally don't want to hear anything you have to say? It doesn't matter what the story's about, but you come into it and you're talking to them and maybe you're trying to tell them uh, about how great, uh, you know, camping is, right? And they're totally anti-camp. They're like, I don't camp. I don't want to deal with the bugs. I don't like fires. I don't like any of those things. So when you're coming to tell them about how awesome camping is, camping's great. We love camping. They're like, I don't want to hear anything about camping. I don't like camping. I think you're weird because you like to camp, right? You spend all your time doing that? That's ridiculous. I want to be inside my house where I can slip in my bedroom shoes and put my robe on and just sit there and chill, right? So if you're coming at that with somebody whose perception of camping is totally anti-camp, then it doesn't matter what you say, you're not going to get through to them. But something like what Jesus is doing here, a parable, slips in the back door. You're telling them about camping without talking about camping. <laughs> you understand? Maybe not. It's a little bit complicated. But this is brilliant. It's brilliant because it, it, it draws people in. It's like, okay, what is he, what's he saying? There's a sower. There's a seed. There's some soil. What is, all the, what is he talking about? What's he talking about? It forces us to stop, to slow our thinking to consider our way of viewing reality, and also to consider changing how we behave in light of a new reality. Jesus explained uh, this to to his disciples this way. When they they asked him this, they were confused, as many of us are. The disciples came to him. It's going to be up here, verse 10 through 13. They said, why do you speak to them in parables? In other words, why aren't you just telling them straight up? Why aren't you telling them about camping? Why aren't you telling them about heaven? Say, heaven is this, do this, act this way, be this way, know this person, right? Why aren't you breaking it down in nice little bullet points for me to chew on and easy to understand and take back to my family and and my relatives and say, this is what it is. Why are you speaking in parables? And he answered them, to you, meaning to them, the closest ones to Jesus, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, meaning everybody outside, the big crowds that day, to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. and hearing, they don't hear, nor do they understand. You see, the crowd that surrounded Jesus that day was full of a mixed group. It was full of people who either perceived Jesus as dangerous And so they were already predisposed to disagreeing with him. Whatever he said was never going to be good enough. Everything he said was an opportunity to latch on to what he said and twist it, use it against him to charge him with something that he wasn't really saying, right? So it was full of those type of people. It was also full of those who were curious, but not quite sure where they stood with Jesus. They were on the outside looking in, and they were like, Well, I hear Jesus, but I'm not quite sure what he's talking about. I want to understand more, but I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to get there yet. And then there were those who were all in. They were hanging on his every word, right? They were trying their best to understand everything he said and did. What Jesus is saying here when he says, for the one who has more will be given, but for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, was that to those who were already dead set against him, the parables were intentionally confusing and sometimes inflammatory. Not because of the way Jesus structured it necessarily, although that played a part, but because they had already closed their minds and hearts to him and to what he was saying. And so the little knowledge they had, the little experience they had that said, oh, I think heaven is this. I think this is how we're supposed to live. That little bit they might have even got right, he's saying, it's going to be, they're going to be taken from them. They're going to even lose that because they're so closed off to even hearing what is truth. Not a truth, but the truth. They're going to miss it. They're going to lose even what they have. They can't get anything new because they've shut off, and they're going to lose what they have because they're so closed-minded. But for the open-minded, like the disciples, the parables made them think harder, made them think in new ways about Jesus and his kingdom that he was always talking about starting. And what we need to do here is make a quick distinction because this is the distinction that Jesus makes. Jesus' emphasis isn't on what they know. The disciples weren't extra smart. Matter of fact, they were very common. Most of them fishermen. Most of them not educated. Most of them didn't understand a lot of things that Jesus was talking about. Matter of fact, half the time you'll read the Gospels and you'll think these are the dumbest people you've ever met. They're always saying, Whoa? What are you doing, Jesus? Right? And, and Jesus is like, I'm really tired of explaining things to you. And so it's not they had more knowledge, it wasn't what they knew, it was who they knew. The disciples had made a commitment to trust and follow Jesus, even when they didn't understand. And that trust would allow them the ability to see and to hear more of the kingdom of heaven. Not to guarantee they'd ever truly understand at all, but give them the ability to even start to understand more. Now, many times they were just as confused as the crowds were. Again, so Jesus' promise isn't based on intelligence or how clever or how good you can listen, but about how much trust do you have in him? How much trust do you have in him? So as the disciples say, hey, we trust you, Jesus. We don't understand, but we trust you. He says, okay, let me give you a little more. Let me explain this one to you. He breaks it down. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 19. Jaden, go ahead and get this one. He sits with them. After he's explained to them why, he can't, he's telling everybody in parables. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. All right, so I don't know where you were in your discussion. I don't know what you knew before or what you think you knew now, but let's look at it right here with fresh eyes this morning. Here's our answer. From the disciples' perspective that day as Jesus is sitting around, Jesus is the sower. He's the farmer. He's the one spreading the seed. And the seed is the message is the word of God. It's the kingdom coming to earth. And there are four types of soils, which are hearts. The first soil, or heart, is the path. Now, in ancient Israel, we've got to get our context, the fields have been had hard-beaten dirt paths all around them. They didn't pave it. They didn't have to, right? Desert, desert cultures, right? So it, you have hard rain season and hard dry season. And so they had this really hard-packed dirt that they surrounded the fields and sometimes ran through parts of the fields so the farmer can get to everything to harvest, right? Fairly straightforward. And so what the, the, the paths were in Jesus' parable here is this hard heart. It is these people in the crowd that day who are hearing the message of Jesus but turn their own way and choose to follow what they think is right instead of listening to what he's saying. Their heart is so hard that the message just kind of bounces off, right? So much so that it just kind of rolls along the path. And what happens is Jesus says that the Satan or the evil one or the adversary, you can look back at our big picture series and see where he fits in, he comes and snatches it away just in case there's a little crack for it to squeeze through. Just a little way for the message to seep into our minds and to our hearts. Snatches it away. That's the first. That's the path. Really hard hearts. Let's look at the second. Matthew thirteen twenty through 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Second heart is Rocky. This is the one who hears the good news of Jesus, who hears, oh, man, I, 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 there's someone who's coming to save me. This is this is God himself in flesh, and I'm a messed up person. He's going to redeem me, and he's going to make me a part of the family, even though I don't deserve it. I can't earn it, but I'm going to get it, and it's, it's this free gift, and yes, I need that. I want to live like that in my life. I need that redemption. I need that rescue, and I want to live for it, and you receive it with joy, and you find these people all over, and Jesus had him in the crowd that day, and all the crowds that were like, yes, this sounds great, and they would follow Jesus quickly. But it was superficial. It was superficial. They would receive it, but it never really sunk deep, it never really took root, never really genuinely pursued Jesus and were really committing to him so that he could make a, make a lasting change in their lives. It sounded good. They wanted to do it, they were ready, they were ready to jump into it all in. But they couldn't go all the way. They couldn't quite go all the way. There was too much stuff in the way. Their life was a little too messy. They kept falling back and falling away. Three, as for what's sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Third heart is a thorny heart. This is those who hear the gospel. They receive it. They may even want to have a sincere belief and trust in Jesus, but troubles of their past or the present are just too much to overcome, right? Their focus and the commitment wavers between Jesus and their circumstances, depending on the day. And the gospel doesn't fully take root in their lives either. And they remain stuck in the vicious cycles that have imprisoned them, and they remain in that thicket, the thorniness of life. Matthew 13, 23, the last one. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. This last heart is the good one. This is those who hear Jesus and trust him. In their heart, the gospel takes deep, 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 deep root. And new life springs up, bearing the fruit of heaven. I want to clarify here. Just because it takes root and and makes fruit doesn't mean it's instant, all right? doesn't mean it's instant. Growth, even of the heavenly variety, is slow and is varied, right? It takes a lifetime of commitment of sitting and soaking up living water to live as a new human we are remade to be in Jesus. So it's not instant, but it does produce fruit. It does take root. It does transform the hearer. Because they're ready to receive it. So, the question for those in the crowd that day and for us this morning is what kind of soil are we? What's the condition of our heart? Are you willing to lean in and listen to the words of Jesus? To trust Him even when we don't fully understand? To live. As if heaven were on earth with Jesus as king over us. Now I want to clarify something here because maybe you're sitting here listening to me online in a person. And maybe your your soil, your heart is a little hard this morning. Maybe your first instinct is to turn off what you're hearing and to turn away from Jesus. Or maybe you're in the middle. Maybe you're curious, but just a little confused. Know that today, the condition of your heart isn't final. Wherever you think you fall on this soil spectrum, from hard to rocky to thorny to good, know that wherever you are, the condition isn't isn't the final condition of your life. Because God is a gardener. God's a farmer. He breaks up hard soil every day. He waters it. He fertilizes it to receive that seed of heaven. And each week you come back here for Sunday morning, each week you listen online, each week you go for a hike with us on a Saturday on July 17th, each week you do something with people who are pursuing the story of Jesus, who are leaning in and listening, not maybe fully understanding it all, but at least willing to listen. Try to get close. Each week you do that is another week that condition of your heart has the opportunity to change. To go from one who can't hear anything about heaven to one who's ready to live as if it's right here beside you. Each day is a day closer to receiving and trusting Him who tells the story. So for seekers this morning... Maybe you're here, and maybe you're the hard heart. Maybe you're in the middle. but Maybe you're here at the end, and you're at the good soil. Your heart's ready to receive Jesus. You're ready for heaven on earth in your life. If you are, one, know that this is what we do. This is what we're all about. Every single week is an opportunity for someone to come and be a part of the family, a new person to step into what God is doing here in our community and the communities around us and that you are probably imperfect because we all are imperfect and that you are in need of a rescuer just as all of us are we're not better than you but that in the life of Christ he came he lived for you he died for you and he rose again so that you can have this new life so if you're ready to receive that word, to be, to be rescued by Jesus and to live committed and trusting in him for now and now on, today and now on, we're going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. If you're not... Maybe you're still on the fence. Every single week we say that this is a place not just for believers, but really for those who don't believe. The crowds that surrounded Jesus were the ones that he would go spend uh, parties with. He would go hang out in their houses, right? He would go make sure he took this time to sit out. He knew there were some who would never hear him one lick, but yet he was going to teach them anyway. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've, you're kind of tuned out. But keep coming. Keep leaning one step closer. One step closer each time until you're ready to receive it. For believers this morning, we actually have two questions we have to answer. Not only what's the condition of our heart, that should be our pursuit as well, because you never want to assume that you're the one with the good heart. right? Never assume that you're the good soil. There's always growing to do. There's always weeding to do. There's always tilling to do. There's always work that God needs to do in our hearts. So don't assume that. So what's the condition of your heart? But two... While we're talking about ourselves, what are we doing for others? Are we sowing the seed of heaven? Are we sowing the seed of heaven? In Jesus' day, he was a sower, but before he ascended to heaven, he told all those who were standing around him, the closest ones to him who followed him, and he said, now it's your turn to sow seed. Now it's your turn. Now that's scary, because what if we mess up? Right? What if we tell it wrong? What if we do it wrong? What if we act wrong? What if if all these things come, come about and we screw up sowing seed? But he says, don't worry about how you do it. Trust me, listen to me, and sow as I have sown in you. Don't be so focused on messing up, so focused on messing up that you don't do it. We're not called to make others hear. We're simply to cast seed, tell the story, Teach it, live it, invite others into it, and watch God do the work. So our question is, what's the condition of our heart? And two, are we sowing the seed of heaven as generously and fearlessly as Jesus did? And if we're not, why not? Think on that this morning as we pray. All heads bowed, all eyes closed, please. I encourage that. Can't make you do it. I want to encourage you to do it, because in this moment, in this space, we're going to lean in close to Jesus without distractions. As we sit in the silence for just a minute, I want you to reflect. Are you leaning in when Jesus speaks? This morning, as you heard the parable of the sower, what's it doing in you? Now for seekers this morning, here's your chance to respond. As a seed has been thrown, as you know that Jesus lived, died, and rose for you this morning to change your life, to transform you, to bring heaven to earth in your life in a very real and powerful way, in a relationship with you, not a religion, but a relationship with you one-on-one, to take you out of the thorns and the rocky soil and to till you up and to make you this new creature, reborn, remade for heaven, even while on earth. You respond to that by simply calling out to him, by simply, we call it prayer, but it's a talking. It's just talking to Jesus, who's right here listening right now. He's not gone forever. He is in this moment with you right now. So you simply respond to him by saying words like these. You simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry first. I'm sorry that my ears have been dulled, my heart hardened. And that I've heard so many times your call in my life, but I've ignored it or turned away. I'm sorry of the mess I've caused in my life and the life of others. But I've heard and I believe that you're faithful to forgive. And that even though I've messed up, you still are here this morning, right here, right now to rescue me, to make me part of your family to remake me into this new creature for you with a new story to tell. Help me to live my life trusting you today and every day knowing that it'll be infinitely better than any life I can make on my own. If that's you this morning as all heads are bowed and all eyes are shut if you hear Jesus calling out to you and your chance to respond you've said that prayer one like it I just want you, if you're online, like or love a comment that we're going to post so that you can, we can follow up with you in-house if you made that commitment today. I just to ask that you slip your hand up. Again, everybody, everybody's not, nobody's looking around. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. So I just want you to be able to slip your hand up because I want to generally pursue this and, and talk to you after and see and tell how your life changes in a radical, real way. Amen believers and everyone else as we close out this morning let's pray this together dear jesus thank you thank you that you have sown the gospel in our hearts that each one of us have at least heard the good news of the kingdom of heaven and god maybe we might not always understand it maybe not always live it but god i pray that we lean in to trust you more that we listen harder than we ever have before That we do our best, God, to love you as you love us. That, God, we do our best to pursue heaven on earth, God. That we pursue loving and forgiving others who have hurt us and who we've hurt. God, that we seek to to reconcile relationships, God, with you and with others. God, that you till up our hearts, God, make it soft for you. God, make us humble this morning, Father God. Lord, so that we can humbly reach out to others and love on them in a radical way we never have before all because of what you've given us this morning, all because of that seed that's been sown. Have us be sowers of it. Let us throw it generously wherever we go, not afraid of the cancel mob, not afraid of being persecuted, but God fearlessly letting it out, ready to die if we need to, to love this world as you have loved it. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in us. We pray that you change us more and more this week. Let us bear fruit for you, And all that we do in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, everybody, online, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Make sure you check with us back Sunday, 10 a.m. next week, Thursday, 6.30, prayer meeting. Uh, And also on our social media, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, we post things all the time. Make sure you're engaging with that. Make sure you're keeping up with our events as we look to to continue to do fun things and invite others into that, all right? So we can't wait to share our time with you, and we'll see you guys. Whenever the next time is, all right? See ya.